chapter 4 and verse 7, and it's on page 1227 of the Church Bibles. I'm sorry, I don't know what page it is in the Chinese Bible. So I'm going to read from verse 7 to verse 21. If I can turn the page over. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sarah. Just make sure I'm on. I'm not. Coming through this. Thank you, James. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name's Gareth. I'm one of the ministers here. As it happens this morning, I'm the only minister here. Uh, my colleagues uh, Phil and Ian are at a wedding and at the Come Together camping, respectively. Uh, that's why we're a bit fewer in number today, and uh, quite a few of us uh, from our church family are at a school site just down the road in Hemel, uh, having a good time. Uh, and we went to see them as a family yesterday. Uh, so they're packing up the campsite this morning, and they didn't think they could do both and get back here in time. Uh, but that's, um, that's where they are. Right, 273 days ago, I was feeling pretty nervous. I had to calculate, I don't normally think in terms of how many hundreds of days it was since something, I had to look this up. 273 days ago, I was feeling pretty nervous. I was actually here, right here in this spot. Uh, And it was the first Sunday since uh, my predecessor, Gareth Lewis, had moved on from the church. He was the previous senior minister. Uh, And it was a really big moment in the life of the church. Now, it's funny for those of us who've been here for a while, uh, but uh, thinking of that 
There are people here today who don't know who he is. Just 273 days later, people have been joining, which is a great thing. People keep coming into our church.、Um, I was feeling nervous because I didn't know how that transitionary period was going to be. Gareth had been here 30 years, 30 years, and he'd loved much and served wholeheartedly. And I'm sure I probably wasn't the only one thinking, "How's this going to go?" Well, in God's kindness, things have gone okay by His grace, and we're in quite a, a steady state, I think.、Uh, that day on the it was the 6th of October, no, 9th of October,、uh, we announced we we're going to start three circles. Do you remember that?、Um, the first circle, me and my father. Second circle, my father's family, and then the third circle, kind of the biggest circle, my father's world. And I said we we're going to take about six months to go through that.、Uh, we've ended up taking nine months, but I hope,、uh, hope that's been okay. We started the first circle with the Lord's Prayer back in the beginning of October. Then in January we started looking at the second circle, the Book of Acts, and then third we've just finished、uh, Matthew 10, thinking about my father's world. And it seems to me that the、uh, the three circles has worked very positively. But now, what do we do? We finish them. We want to keep that momentum going, but we also want to move forwards. We don't want to sit still, as it were. So, for quite a while,、um, I, with the other elders and leaders, have been thinking: What do we do as a church? What do we put into practice? How do we move forwards?、Uh, we're now at the stage of wanting to share it with the church as a whole. So, if you're guests, and we have guests here this morning, it's great to have you with us.、Uh, this isn't a very normal、um, address this morning.、Uh, what I want to do is do kind of two halves. Firstly, going to think about、um, where we are going as a church, and then secondly, look at that passage in one John.、Uh, so it's not not normal, but it should give you a bit of an idea. Because we're the first half, we're thinking a question: What is church about? What is specifically Christ Church about? Just take a moment to imagine. If someone asks you, "What's your church like? What's it about?" What would you answer? Just give you a moment. What, what would you say? What's your church about? We've been thinking, how might we answer that question? What is our church about? We want something that sums up what church is like, what it wants to be like, and something that capitalises on our momentum, keeps us going. And we want something that's easy to remember, and something we can kind of say in a breath. Tricky.、Uh, well, providentially, we realised that we already had a structure in place to help us remember, and that structure is our name, Christ Church Harpenden. They actually map onto the three circles, or rather, the three circles maps onto our name. First circle, Christ, the risen Lord. Second circle, His body, the Church. Third circle, Harpenden, and beyond. And it shows us the flow of our relationships. We are not linked to each other because we like each other necessarily. It's great that we do, many of us, but we don't have to like each other. What unites us is the same Lord. The Lord who called Winnie in Hong Kong, the Lord who called you, if you're a believer, Jesus first, then His church, and then as His church we seek to go out to the world. Not each of us is an evangelist in terms of gifting, but as a team, we can reach out to Harpenden. All of us can play a part if we are believers, if we are in Jesus and part of His church here. So, as we think forwards, we're still going to refer to three circles. 
because I think that's been quite helpful in terms of visualizing starting relationship with God, then to church, then beyond. We're going to reshape that using our church's name, Christ Church Harpenden. But now we need verbs, we need action words, we need to do something. What words would you put in front of those three categories? Again, we were thinking uh, we could pick several. Worship, uh, service, reaching out. But we kept being brought back to one word. One single word which sums up the Christian life. And that word is love. Love. Love sums up the duty of every person who has ever lived. What are the greatest commandments, Jesus says? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Love sums up the duty of every person who's ever lived. Then, what does Jesus say to his disciples? What new commandment does he give them? Love one another. This is how the world will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. More fundamentally than that, love sums up the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And even more fundamentally than that, what did we hear in the reading that Sarah gave us from 1 John? What about God himself? God is love. So the single word we're going to use to put those three circles into action is love. What are we about? Well, it's in the name. We want to love Christ. We want to love his church. We want to love Harpenden. That's going to be our focus as we move forward. Loving Christ, loving his church, loving Harpenden. What have the last nine months been about? Well, in some ways, it's a bit of a kind of clearing the decks and getting us all back on the same page. And as, certainly as we look forward, establishing a bit of common language. We can say, remember that second circle we looked at this? That most of us can think, oh yeah, I was there, I remember that. We've intentionally tried to leave most things as they are. We haven't changed much in church life. Some of us are glad about that. Some of us uh, would like to see more change, maybe. But it's been important, hasn't it, to listen to God first. What does he say to us as a church family? But now, having finished these nine months, whilst we stay listening to God, absolutely, we want to start to put things into practice. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Just uh, one thing on that. I'm not going to go into any details now, uh, but just one thing in terms of leadership. Uh, the ministers are going to take a, a lead on each of those three areas. So Ian's going to pick up the first circle particularly, uh, loving Christ and helping us think about our devotional lives and trying to equip each of us to grow in our devotional lives. Uh, I'm going to pick up the second circle, loving the church, how we uh, work th uh, through membership, belonging, small groups, big church, community life. And Phil has already been picking up uh, the third circle, loving Harpenden, with going through the Matthew 10 series and running some events. Okay, but I, I also uh, want to look at one other thing. Loving Christ, loving his church, loving Harpenden. What's our method going to be? Because love is pretty broad. It's big, isn't it? Well, I want to look at one thing in uh, 1 Corinthians 9. It's going to come up on the screen, please. Um, you may wish to turn to it, but it's, those are the two verses I want to look at. 1 Corinthians 9. I want to look at the principle and method of Paul's ministry. The Apostle Paul taking the gospel out. What was his principle? The first, the first bit is verse 19. The second bit is verse 22. What does he say? Well, actually, I haven't got it in front of me, so I'm going to turn around. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Princi slave. What is it like to be a slave? It's tough. It means putting aside your own preferences, your own freedom, more fundamentally, for 
the sake of others. A slave to everyone, not just to those we like or those who are close to us, but a slave to everyone. And he has a purpose to win as many people as possible. And that means to bring as many people as possible to know Jesus for themselves. So that's his principle, putting aside personal preference. And then he goes on, you can look at it um, later if you'd like. Uh, to the weak have become weak, he says, to the Jews have become uh, like a Jew. He adapts. He adapts. That's his method. To the weak have become weak, to win the weak. And then he spells out, I've become all things to all people so that all possible, by all possible means I might save some. All things to all people. That means Paul adapted he had to adapt. He looked out at a group of people and thought, all right, here are the Jews. How can I change to be more like them, to adapt to their needs? I'm not changing the gospel. Jesus Lord. The Lord doesn't save you. Jesus does. But he became all things to them. And then, I'll call you the weak, not uh, don't take it personally. To the, whatever that looked like, he thought, well, what are the needs of the people here? And then he identified another group. And he changed. He adapted. He wasn't selling out. In fact, he was more passionate than ever. He loved the people so much that he thought, how can I put aside my preferences? I don't like living like a Jew. I don't li like living weak. But I just long for you to know Jesus. So I'm going I'm to adapt anything I can to bring the gospel, to bring Jesus Christ to you. That is Paul's method. Adaptation. And note the language of all and some. This is something we're going to talk about more, I think, over the coming weeks and months. All and some. He's not expecting to save everyone. But he's going to go to reach all. So the challenge for us, as Christ Church Harpenden, is how can we tell the town? How can we tell the town? How can we make sure that every single person in Harpenden has heard about Jesus? How big is the town? It's about 33,000, something like that. Every single one. How can we adapt to every single person to tell them about Jesus? It's going to be a team effort, right? It's not a solo warrior job, it's a team job. How can we tell the town? How can we reach all so that we might save some? Some. Not all, but some. I find those uh, words very challenging. I would never use them if they weren't in the Bible. What does he say? I might save. Not God might save. Although absolutely God saves. But Paul saw it as, as far as humanly uh, goes... It was his job. He had a responsibility. God brings life. God brings light. But our job is to reach out, to adapt, that we might have a part in some people where we are coming to Jesus. So that's what we want to be about, adapting, working hard, putting aside our personal preferences. And look, they might be my personal preferences. It doesn't just apply to reaching out. It also applies to the other two circles, about loving church and loving Harpenden. If... If we commit to this, and I think we should, we don't know where it's going to go. Some of us might like, well, what, what does it look like in practice? Well, we're going to work that out. We need to find out what, what's going to serve us, what's going to help. But may, I don't know. Maybe at some point we'll realize having a senior minister is not helpful for the church anymore. What should we do? We should get rid of the role. Put aside our personal preferences for the sake of others. It's not change for change's sake. It's adapting that we might reach people, that they might love Jesus, that they might come into the church, and that we might go out and reach more. That's our heart as a church. Loving Christ, loving his body, the church, 
loving the town where he's placed us. That's what we're going to do. Adapting our life and ministry for all people so that some might be saved. And when someone is saved, what will we tell them? Love Christ. Love his church. Love Harpenden. And beyond. Uh, just a couple of uh, thoughts on that before we move into 1 John. Um, we are going to discuss this at the members' meeting tomorrow. Um, you've seen that slide. It looked a bit like a Wimbledon tennis ball, didn't it? It was quite exciting. Uh, we're not going to be quite that um, high, high adrenaline. Uh, but we are going to be talking about this um, ethos. What are we going to be doing? What is church about? What are your reactions to that? You've heard it fresh this morning, most of you. What are your reactions? What about adapting? Are you up for that? Is there something that want, makes you hold back? We're going to talk about it tomorrow at the members' meeting, if you can join us, if you're uh, one of the members. And if you're not a member, but you'd like to um, observe, you'd be very welcome. Please do get in touch with me or the church office. But just a couple of things. Look, love Christ, love his church, love Harpenden. It's a summary. And like any summary, it's incomplete. All right? It doesn't mention the Father, the Holy Spirit, prayer, the Bible, worship, discipleship. It's never going to cover everything. It'd be, a, well, it'd be the Bible if we tried to cover everything, wouldn't it? Maybe we think um, loving Harpenden is a bit narrow. And actually, I think that's the biggest issue with uh, this summary. Is it does sound like we're quite insular, a bit focused only on our own patch. But actually, given what we've looked at in Matthew's Gospel, we see the disciples were told to start where they were and then go out. Harpenden is where this church has been placed. God put Jesus as Lord of everywhere. He could have put us, us anywhere, and he plonked us here. So we're to love the people here first. Not only, but, but first because they are closest. Uh, C.S. Lewis once said, it's easier to pray for a difficult person than to visit him. You recognize that? Lord, please bless him, but please don't make me go. And in the same way, it's kind of weirdly easier to pray for God's work overseas than it is to go and visit the difficult neighbor who lives on your street. It's, it's easier, isn't it? Love Harpenden. Visit him. And of course, we can pray as well. Uh, those of us who've been here a bit longer uh, know that Christchurch has had three M's in place for values, maturity, ministry, and mission. And those aren't going away. We're not doing with, away with those. They're core biblical values. As it happens, they map quite nicely onto the three circles as well. Maturity, love of Jesus. Ministry, church family teaching one another. And mission, loving Harpenden and beyond. The mission committee's not going anywhere, just to make that very clear. If the only place it is going is further, beyond, reaching out. We want to love everyone, starting where we are. All right, let's, um, let's um, grab one John and have a, have a look at that. We won't um, go through it like a full, uh, yeah, not, this is not the sermon restarting. Uh, we're going to look at this as well next week, um, and we'll have some guests here. And there's lots to share from these verses. Uh, but to move into one John, we might think love is a bit broad, isn't it? I know it's in the Bible a lot, but it's a bit broad. Could it be misunderstood? Lots of people use the word love in their slogans, right? Love, love fencing, love renovation, love pensions. Bit broad. Well, let's look at how great the word is in terms of what the Bible means when it talks about love. And it's going to be our job to fill that word full in what we do and what we say. So 1 John, thank you if you could have that, uh, have that open. We've been thinking about uh, what we're about. If we could have it on the screen, is that all right? Thank you. Hopefully this will work. Thanks, Simon. Uh, we've been thinking about what we're about. But what is God about? 
What is God about? How would you answer that? If someone says, oh, I know what you're, okay, I understood what your church is about. Sound like a bit of a rehearsed answer, but okay. What's, what's God about? Well, one John tells us, is it working, by the way? No? No working. Okay, fine. Well, I'll, um, I was just going to highlight a few verses. don't know if I can do anything here about that. Um, I was going to highlight a few verses. Oh, that is it. Oh, is it? Oh, thanks very much. Um, yes, just checking. All right. Uh, what, what is God about? Well, God loves us. That's what God is about. It's not the only thing about, he's about, but he is about this. God loves us. Right there in verse 7, right at the top. Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. It's there in verse 10. He loved us. It's right in the middle of verse 10. He loved us. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us. Verse 16, we rely on the love God has for us. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Could it be any clearer? God loves us. He loves us. And we've seen there that the priority. Who, who loves first? Because when we talk about loving, church, loving Christ and loving Harpenden, loving his church, we might think, oh, aren't we great? We're so loving. But actually, we're not the people who loved first, are we? It's there in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. God is the, the source. He's the fountain. You ever seen a waterfall like, tipping over the, the top? You can just imagine it falling the source of all that noise and that power and that water, God is the source of love for us. And we are the ones, I can't remember what the shampoo advert brand is, but we're underneath that. Underneath this enormous waterfall. Tim, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I don't want to advertise it. I've not used it, so I can't tell. Underneath this flood of, flood of love, a deluge of love that does not finish, that drowns us, that is good for us. God loves us. God loves you this morning. Now, it's hard to feel that sometimes. But God tells you. He loves you. And it's not just words. Because we think about what is love, okay? Lots of people use the word love. Maybe you've used it yesterday. I love that sandwich. What, what, is, what is love when it comes to God's love? Well, three things particularly want to show you briefly from here. Firstly, it's purposeful. Verse 9, end of verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son so that we might live. See that verse 9? We might live. It gives, it's for a purpose, that you might live. And not just keep living as you are, but have eternal life, life to the full. It's purposeful for our good. And then verse 10, it's personal cost. What did God do? He loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God the Father sent God the Son as a sacrifice. A sacrifice for our non-love, our lack of love. Our problem was that we didn't love Christ and we haven't loved people. We haven't loved our town. God the Father sent God the Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. uh, So it's been personal Sorry, purposeful, at great personal cost. And then a third P. Just in that middle section from verses 13 to 16. 
Verse 16 says, we rely on the love God has for us. So what is the love? And there's two parallel bits, verse 13 and 14. Sorry, this would have been a little bit easier if I was um, highlighting. That's, um, we'll have a look at that, and probably my fault. I've probably hit the wrong button. We're covering a lot of text. I appreciate that. End of verse 13, he has given us of his spirit. And then middle of verse 14, the father has sent his son. Given his spirit, sent his son. The third P is presence. God gave us himself. Given us his spirit, sent his son. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit with us. In person. In person. God is with you today. God is with you today. He's with you here, and he's with you wherever you'll go. So we've seen the priority, God loves us first, and that his love is pers- uh, purposeful. It's at personal cost, and it gives us his presence. So if we ask that question, is, is love a bit vague, a bit weak? Maybe it is how it's been used sometimes. But God's love is not a limp lettuce. If you've got a limp lettuce out of the fridge, and you peel off a leaf and it just it flops, and you think, the last thing I want to do is eat that. It's got no substance. It's pathetic. God's love is not like that. God's love isn't the kind of weak sentiment. I love you. God's love is not indifferent acceptance. I think quite a lot of love is like that. I'm not criticizing anyone, but it's easy to say you love someone when their life doesn't impact on you and you don't have to deal with the consequences. If you're on a screen and I'm thousands of miles away from you, I can say, oh yeah, I love you, love you, all my followers. I don't have to live with you. I don't have to bear the consequences for the decisions you make. But God comes to live with us. He is not indifferent to us. He cares deeply about what we do, about how we love others. Because as much as God loves you, he also loves the person next to you. He cares about how you treat them. God's love is powerful. Like that waterfall, it's powerful. One uh, difference to an emphasis on love that we sometimes hear is it's not about feelings in 1 John. Now, it doesn't exclude feelings. But it's not the focus here, is it? It's not God so loved us that he just feels really nice when he, when he sees us. It's about action. Winnie said, loving not just with words but with deeds. Action. How do you really know someone loves you? When they are there for you. And God was there for us. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he sent his spirit into our hearts. It's about action. So if you want to know whether God loves you, don't search your feelings first and foremost. Look at what he's done. Look at what he's done. One question you might have, particularly actually if you're new to Christian things, although it isn't necessarily a question that goes away. In verse 10, this might cause you a problem. might make you like God less. Why did he send his son... Why did the father not send himself if he loves us so much? Why didn't he sacrifice himself rather than his son? Now, we're in very deep water here, and I'm only going to be able to speak about this by way of analogy, comparing it to something else. God is not like us. But this is just a way of maybe shaping something. Have you ever known a parent 
whose child was suffering deeply. Maybe you are one or have been one. Have you ever heard them say something like, if I could, I'd just take it away. I'd take it on myself. I'd sooner go through the thing than see them go through the thing. Isn't that the love of a parent for a child? When is that its best? Why can a parent say that? They're not making light of the child's situation, but they're saying it hurts my heart so much to see my child suffer. I would take it sooner than see them go through it. Because the child is the most precious thing. When it comes to matters of the heart, the child matters more than they matter to themselves. Who is the most precious person to the father? God the Father sent his one and only son to be a sacrifice for our sins. Great personal cost. God is not indifferent. He sent the most precious thing for you, for us. He loved us first. God loves you. For anyone in Jesus, God loves you. I'll say it again. God loves you. What is our response to be? Briefly, what is our response to be? Well, it might not surprise us. It's not about feelings. It's about action. We are to love one another. It's there in verse 7, right at the beginning. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love has come from God. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, if we love one another, God lives in us. And then he flips it around in verse 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. We are to love one another. And finally, verse 21, he has given us this command. What's the command going to be? Is it going to be a new thing we've not seen? (laughs) Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. to love one another. We are to be in relationship with one another. I don't know if you like to have touching the shoulder of the person next to you or being touched. I, I appreciated it because it reminded me of my church family, to love one another. Now, we have different personal space, and that's fine. But God tells us to love one another. With the personalities we have, with the backgrounds we have, we are to love one another. And we've seen love is purposeful. It's to be at personal cost presence, to be with one another. We're to love one another. And we're also to love God, as we've seen. Verse 20, whoever claims to love God. And verse 21, anyone who loves God. The love of God is primary as it flows out into the first circle leads to the second. Love of God leads to love of others. Just in passing, I think the third circle is here. There's a hint of it in verse 12. No one has ever seen God. Why does he say that? No one's ever seen God. What's his point going to be? Well, it's something about no one's seen God, but there's going to be some way that God is revealed. God is seen or understood. How? How is God revealed? What does he say? If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Here's another thing that I would never say if it wasn't in the Bible. We complete God's love. How can we complete it? But that's what he says. We have to complete God's love. Well, it's about no one has ever seen God. What is the purpose of God's love? That people 
could be reached by it. He wants to show himself to people. How can we show the town that God loves them? If we love one another. So I hope if you're a guest here today and you're among us, I hope, I hope and we pray that this is here for us, it's true for us, that you get a sense that we love one another. That we love one another. And if you think, how can, they love, how can that person love that person in that way? God's love. You're seeing something amazing. You're seeing the love of God at work in people. Because we are so far from perfect. I'll stick to it myself. I am so far from perfect. Anything good is a miracle. And that's come from God. So as we move forward, loving Christ, loving his church, loving Harpenden, wouldn't it be amazing to be a church known for love? That might be our reputation. Not that we work at our reputation, but that we love each other through the love of God. That it's known and felt and experienced and that God is sensed by the people in this town. Okay, there's a wrap up. Sounds tiring, right? <laughs> to be a slave for others, to adapt, to love people around you, including those that it's not so easy to love, not such a natural fit. Well, we can finish by thinking, God is love. It's there in verse 8. God is love. And then again in verse 16, God is love. Not God has a bit of love. God tries to love. God is love. The waterfall's never going to run out. We don't have to worry about the reservoir level or the river or rainfall. When it comes to the love of God, he is not going to run out. He is love. There's a story in 1 Kings of a widow who has a jar of oil and it's going to run out. But by God's power, the prophet speaks to her and it doesn't run out. She just keeps making bread, keep oil every day. It doesn't run out. God's love doesn't run out. It never will. It can't. God is love, and he loves you. So we will always have the love we need that we might love others, that we might love people in this church, that we might love the town and beyond, because God is love. Well, as the musicians come up, let's just take a moment. Um, I know I've shared a lot this morning, uh, a lot to process. But maybe just pick something from one, John, that struck you. We'll, uh, we'll take a minute of quiet, uh, and then uh, as the music starts, please stand and sing. A minute of quiet now, please.